It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, Sleepy J underscore pregame. I'm sick. It's NFL Week 5. I'm going to go ahead and try to talk about the least amount as I possibly can and try to go ahead and gut through our Week 5 schedule here. For the NFL, we got tons of best bets here from everybody. We got a bunch of rapid-fire games. Look like we might have some games canceled. We're going to start it out here. Thursday night football, Bucks at Bears, Bears plus 3.5, total 44.5. How about you, Dan? You got a best bet. Let's just jump right into the Jump right into the fire here. Dan, your best bet, what do you got? I'm going to go a little different this week. My best bet is Bucks minus three and a half. I am curious what this line is. If the Bears are one and three straight up like they should be. My guess it probably goes higher. Bucks last week had a skew box score with that pick six. Brady seemed to be more comfortable with the offense last week. I've had my issues with the Bears the last few years under Trubisky, but I don't think Foles is the difference between him and being an awesome team. The Bucks' defense by most metrics are top five, particularly in DVOA in both the passing and run, pressure rate, and yards per play allowed. I watched a lot of Bears last week when they played the Colts. I can tell you right now, guys, the Colts' defense is not that good. Foles looked awful. Bears' offense is near the bottom of most metrics. And to me, Tom Brady has faced Chuck Pagano defense five times. He's 5-0 straight up, going plus 113-point differential. Yes, that's not a typo. I'll gladly lay the points here with a better QB and team. Minus three and a half, hoping for a minus three. All right, good stuff there from Dan Rivera. Uncle Dave, you're up next. Bucks, Bears, what do you got? Yeah, I don't I don't like the side in this too much. If I had to, I would probably take the Bucks, and I'll tell you why. I mean, I, I would certainly want three and not three and a half, but I would, uh, you know, Brady's kind of one of those revenge kind of guys, and if you remember correctly, uh, Foles took a Super Bowl away from him with that Billy special, and I guarantee you Brady remembers that. What I do like here, especially if we can get uh, back up to 45, is I like the under quite a bit. You know, as Dan said, uh, Chicago's offense is limited, and uh, I don't think the Bucks really need to make a statement here. And Chicago's defense is obviously above average. So uh, I would love to get 45. Still may take a flyer at 45 and a half when I like the under. Hey, man, what do you got? Yeah, if I was going to look at Chicago in this game, it would have been at plus six earlier in the week. So at the current line of three and a half right now, it's probably no playing. The only way that I'm really going to get involved in this one is if Tampa gets to minus three. They do have the offensive line to block this Bears rush unit. But my concern with Tampa is the wide receiver injuries. And I think I'm going to have to wait to the injury report to consider betting it. But it it would just be a straight pass. And if we see a three, then maybe possibility we look Tampa. All right, Chris, you got three player props for this game. Why don't you go ahead and rip through those real quick? Yeah, so I'm liking what I'm hearing from the rest of the guys so far. and We're all kind of taking into consideration Tampa's the three-and-a-half-point road favorite here. So I'm expecting Tampa Bay to lead early in this game and lead often, which means Chicago is going to be forced to air it out. So I'm actually going to the Bears here with my player props for this game. I like Darnell Mooney over two-and-a-half receptions. You could find that at DraftKings right now and Darnell Mooney's seen his routes increase for each of the last uh, each of the first four weeks of the season here from 30 to 64 to 67 and then last week saw a season high 74 percent route runs had five receptions on nine targets for 52 yards in, in, in a low scoring game and in a tough matchup as well and actually what surprised me here when I was doing a little bit of research was that Tampa Bay actually ranks 31st in the league 
in terms of completion rate on targets to opposing wide receivers. So I think you have the number two option. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, uh, tension on Allen Robinson. So Mooney can easily clear that over two and a half receptions. And then Allen Robinson over five and a half catches. I mean, you saw the Bucks, as I mentioned, the stat of allowing a uh, completion rate to, to opposing wide receiver targets. You know, they gave, they've given up decent amount of, uh, you know, reception games to opposing wide receivers. Keenan Allen had eight catches last week. In week two, Robbie Anderson had nine. DJ Moore had eight in that same game. So Allen Robinson's been absolutely tearing it up in the air. Nick Foles is going to be looking his way throughout this game. And I think Carlton Davis might slow Robinson down. But I think Robinson, who's had seven and ten catches in the last two games, can clear that five and a half pretty easily, especially with the Bears playing from behind. Last but not least, Sleepy, I've got David Montgomery over 23 and a half receiving yards. And this just goes to what Hitman mentioned about the Tampa Bay rush defense. And they're going to limit them throughout the game. So I was looking at Montgomery under rushing yards. It's very low. It's like about 50 and a half. So I'll take the over on receiving. He had 30 receiving yards last week against the Colts. And the Bucks through four weeks have given up receiving line totals of running backs of 51, 117, 43, and 40. So we all know Tariq Cohen's not there. I like the over, so I'm taking over Montgomery, 23 and a half receiving yards as well. I don't have much of an opinion on the game, but I do like Ronald Jones over rushing yards. I would play that up to probably around 76 and a half. You know, he had 111 yards last week on 20 carries. And if you go and you look at what the Bears defense has been doing, rush defense, it's like 115 yards a game that they've given up. Shady McCoy is going to be out. Fournette is doubtful. So I think Ronald Jones gets a full go here. Uh, in the backfield. I'm not too worried about Keyshawn Vaughn taking too many touches here. And I think the Bears secondary, you know, can somewhat limit, you know, the Bucks a little bit. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to make that an official pick here. I'll take Ronald Jones over his rushing yards, play that up to maybe around 76 and a half. Let's jump over to Sunday here, guys. Panthers at Falcons, Falcons minus one, total 54. We have a best bet in this one from a McKenzie Rivers. Let's go ahead and jump into that. My best bet this week, I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers plus two at the Atlanta Falcons. Now, with no home crowd, this line implies they're about even teams. You know, two points for home field advantage, Atlanta minus two. That might be true in a macro sense. Talent-wise, defense, offense, yeah, minus two, even teams about right. But if you look at the trajectories of these teams, I think this might be an all-time low point for the soon-to-be unemployed Dan Quinn Atlanta Falcons. And I cannot be more impressed with what Matt Rule is doing in his first month as an NFL head coach. Major disadvantages for new head coaches. The only way they could operate, install new systems in May, June, July, was Zoom video. Very, very disadvantaged. Talked to a few insiders about this. The public perception is the reality. One of the biggest disadvantages in NFL history entering a season. Given all that, the Panthers could be 4-0 ATS this season. They're two plays away the first two weeks from covering those games. In the last two weeks, they pulled off big upsets against the Chargers and against the Cardinals. Despite so many moving pieces on defense, their defense has been solid. Now let's talk about the offense. You might have heard of one Teddy, two gloves, never doesn't cover. Teddy Bridgewater, the man, 30-9 and in his career, ATS. A lot of that is talent. He's good. But most of that is he's just never been recognized as anything else than a bottom-tier quarterback. And I think even though none of his individual traits jump off the page, he's just a solid, steady, eddy quarterback that when you have a strong defense, when you have talent positions, 
Christian McCaffrey might be back. DJ Moore has been excellent. You can stay in these games, and you can win these games. My prediction, Matt Rule, candidate for Coach of the Year, leads this team to 8-8. Eight and eight. Dan Quinn, not in his chair by week six. Starts this week with an upset win by the Panthers. I am taking the Carolina Panthers plus two over the Atlanta Falcons. All right, guys, there's Mackenzie Rivers' best bet. He's going to go ahead and take the Panthers in this one. Dan, you also like the Panthers. Why don't you go and rip through your handicap? This is a pretty straightforward handicap. Falcons going in one direction, Panthers in the other. To me, the Falcons are going to say, screw it, we're done this week. They don't care anymore. That defense is awful. Julio Jones, probably limited, if not out. Give me the Panthers plus the points. All right, short and sweet there from Dan, Uncle Dave. Panthers, Falcons, what do you got? Yeah, I'll be short and sweet too, and I, I don't like it when we all agree, but I think at least until we get the Hitman, we're going to. This one's easy for me. Um you know, it looks like Bill O'Brien beat Dan Quinn to the unemployment line, but the wrong team's favored. Carolina has the better coach. Carolina has the better quarterback right now. Carolina has the better defense right now. I think the wrong team is favored. I like the Panthers. Hitman, what do you got for that one? For me, I could only look towards Carolina in a teaser in this one. We get through that three. We get through that seven. And with Atlanta, you have no idea if they're ever going to be able to shut that back door. And I don't think that they can, just considering the six secondary injuries that they have. So even if they do get up 14, I think Teddy's very live to score a touchdown at the end of the game and get you the win if you tease them. So that would be the direction I'd be looking at. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to look at some DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson receiving props. I think Bridgewater has a really good game here. That Falcon secondary is absolutely terrible. Uh, I don't have much of a lean to the side here or to the total. Maybe the over would be a, a slight lean, but I think that we could find some value in some of the player props from the Carolina Panthers in that one. Uh, Chris, you got anything for that one? No, I agree with you 100%. I'm also looking towards DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and actually – Maybe even Ian Thomas on the tight end side is receiving yards total could be very low, but Atlanta has been one of the worst in the league at defending the tight end as well as defending receptions to running back. So Reggie Bonifon, who was the, who was the backup last week, he actually had a decent amount of work. He was just placed on IR and all they have left is Trenton Cannon in the backfield until CMC comes back. So I'm also going to be looking to Mike Davis uh, receptions and receiving yards. Probably if they're underneath 40, I'm going to be looking to play the over on the yardage there. Yeah. Mike Davis has been a, a big asset for that team right now, really stepping up. Why don't we go over to the Raiders at the Chiefs? The Raiders are going to have to step up here going on the road at Kansas City. KC minus 13 and a half, 56 and a half. Uncle Dave, coming to you first on this one. Raiders, Chiefs, what do you got? Yeah, this one's simple for me. I actually really like a prop bet here. And, and you know, it's obviously a possible letdown spot for Kansas City after playing the Patriots, short rest, yada, yada, yada. I think what's new here is the Chiefs, they have the second best points per game defense and their second points per play allowed. Look at the Raiders being 27th in yards per rush. No one KC just wants out with a win because they got the Bucks next week. I think we see a heavy dose of Edwards Hilaire. I think his prop yards might be down after a few marginal games, but those marginal games were against the Chargers, Ravens, and Patriots, all teams that have solid rush defenses. And, you know, the Raiders don't. So uh, I, I haven't seen the number yet, but I, I like uh, Edwards Hilaire rushing yards over. I'd probably take it up to about 75. All right, good stuff there. Uh, let me just touch on the last game, guys. I gave out two props there that I that I kind of like was Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. I would play those guys up to close to like 80 yards. Um, we don't have official numbers right now on our props, but you know I think both of those guys are probably going to you know be in line to probably go over. And Robbie Anderson's been killing it, and I think DJ Moore again 
I'll say it probably for, you know, the second week in a row that he's due. But I think that these are, you know, two guys that we could look at maybe up to like, you know, 75, 80 yards in that area. Uh, Hitman Raiders, Chiefs, what are you thinking? I can only look Chiefs in this one. Andy Reid, 28-14-1 as the Chiefs head coach against the spread in division games. The Raiders under Gruden have lost by 7-32-18-31 against Andy Reid's Chiefs. It's just a mismatch personnel-wise because of the Chiefs' speed against that slow Raiders defense. So for me, it would be Chiefs or nothing, but the numbers accounting for the fact that the Chiefs are probably the right side here. You know, for me, I'm thinking the over might be the way to go. I know the Raiders are shorthanded, but you have to consider the fact that the Chiefs probably put up a, a decent amount of points in this one. And let's give it to Carr. You know, he's been playing well this season. I think, you know, they probably don't have a true shutdown corner that can go ahead and take, you know, probably Waller out of the game. But I think like Renfro is going to be an asset here. I don't know. My gut feeling says the Raiders are, are you know, going to be somewhat efficient throwing the ball. And, and I strongly believe that the Chiefs will as well. Um, I don't think anybody's slowing down the running game for either team either. Uh, I could see a lot of points in this one. I don't have a lean to the side. That's a lot of points to go ahead and lay here for a division game, but uh, I would probably go ahead and play that one over. Maybe we get a little bit better of a number. We'll be rooting for 56 in that one. Uh, how about you, Chris? Do you have anything for that game? No, just that the Raiders are most likely to be playing from behind, and pretty much all they have left in the passing game is Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. We talked about both those guys last week, Sleepy, and, and Waller blew up this past week. So I'll be looking towards overs probably more on Waller, but, but maybe depending on Renfro what the number comes out as well. I'd probably play Waller uh, easily over 45 yards. That's where he was last week. Uh, probably play it up to about 55 if I see it out there. I wonder if we could look towards Aguilar and maybe Zay Jones because Zay Jones seemed to be like a – you know, a decent target last week for for Carr. He had six targets, four catches. So I wonder maybe if we can use those guys. Maybe they do try to go ahead and be like, all right, let's take Jacobs out. Let's take Waller out. And it leaves Aguilar and Zay Jones out there. Because, I mean, if you watched the game last week with Carr, I mean, those guys looked actually quite comfortable. So maybe we go that way. But I certainly do go ahead and like that over in that one. Let's jump over to Jags, Texans, Texans. Bill O'Brien fired. He's now selling cheese dogs in Newports at the Jiffy Mart. Texans minus six, total 54. We have a best bet in this one. This is Mackenzie Ridgeverse featured pick. This is his team total of the week. Let's go ahead and give that a listen. My team total of the week might sound crazy, but I'm going with the Romeo Crennel-led Houston Texans to go over 30 and a half points hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now that's a big number, 30 and a half. But if you look at the Jaguars' last three games against not the best offenses in the world, in the bank, like the Bengals, for example, like the Dolphins, for example, they can do one thing decent, and that's stop the run. They cannot do anything against opposing quarterbacks. Ryan Fitzpatrick went 18 for 20, had a 98 QBR against this team. Joe Burrow had by far his best game putting up 33 points last week. And I'm kicking myself for not just going over with my team total of the week every week this season – because the score has been absurd. Week one, not so much 47 points per game, slightly above historical averages. But the last three weeks, try 53.3 points per game, combined scoring the last three weeks, two through four in the NFL. Now, let's talk about this coaching replacement. Romeo Cannell comes in. Of course, he's not been very good for his career. That's why he's been a, been a perennial assistant, only 28 and 55. However, looking historically since 2002, 
Teams that are that have replaced and have an interim coach are 14 and 9 against the spread since 2002. The theory is everyone knows they're on watch. They might have had a good relationship with O'Brien or not. What they don't know is what will the next regime do with the current players on the roster? Because one thing's for sure, there's going to be a lot of changes. Every time a new team comes in, a new GM comes in, a new coach takes over, they have their guys, their system, their philosophy. So everyone's on alert. Guys like Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, again, have to earn that starting job. I think focus will be intense, will be at a maximum. And I think they put on a strong showing versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going Houston Texans over 30 and a half points. All right, guys, there's McKenzie Rivers team total over 30 and a half points. Hitman, I'll go ahead and throw this one to you first. Jags, Texans, what are you thinking? I lean to the Texans. And the big reason is that a lot of teams tend to play better after their coach gets fired because a lot of times there's no more excuses for that team. And a lot of times they didn't even like the coach that much. And that's kind of the sentiment that we're seeing with the Texans. A lot of players have been coming out privately to beat reporters. And they're saying that, hey, O'Brien lost his locker room. So I expect a max effort from the Texans. And the Jaguars have a lot of injuries that they are dealing with, specifically to C.J. Henderson and Miles Jack. So it would be Texans or nothing for me. Uncle Dave, Jags, Texans, what do you got? Yeah, well, what I got now, what I had would be two different things because I was originally leaning Jacksonville. I mean, six and a half at the time just seemed like an awful lot of points for a winless team to be laying. And with a team that hadn't scored more than 23 points this season and it allowed 28 in, in, in every game, um, not that I have faith in Jacksonville's defense. They've given up 31 in three straight games, and none of those games were against dynamic offenses. Then you just can't measure that whole you know, player's coup, if you will, you know, with that said, it might be easy to like the over, uh, but I'm, 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 I'm done with unders this year, I can tell you that, until we get to our best bet. But neither of these offenses really strike fear in the scoreboard, I guess. And offensively, Jacksonville is actually 11th in third down conversions, and they're very good in the red zone. So I really wanted to go there because Houston's allowing a league-worst 181 yards on the ground per game. I mean, that's a ton. So what I'm really thinking I'm going to look at here is actually a prop bet with James Robinson over rushing yards. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes over 100, but uh, I would certainly play that one to 75. All right, solid stuff there from Uncle Dave on that one. Dan, you got a like in this one. What do you got? To me, Hitman nailed it on the head. This is a max motivation spot for the Texans. All the reports are leaking out that the Texans could not stand Bill O'Brien anymore. Week three, J.J. Watt called out Bill O'Brien being a crappy coach, and they got into a verbal confrontation, and that's when Bill O'Brien fully lost the locker room, and now he's fired. I will gladly lay the points here for a max-motivated Texans team to really stick it to their old boss this week. Chris Jacks, Texans, what are you looking at? Uh, well, Uncle Dave read my mind there. I'm definitely looking towards James, Ro James Robinson over on the rushing yards. I'm actually looking towards Robinson over on receiving yards as well. He's had at least 18 in every single game this year with a couple games over 60. And we've won on our official prop plays article on bettingpredators.com. We've given him, him out on back-to-back -back weeks over on receiving yards. So if I'm seeing a soft number there around 18 and a half, 19 and a half, like I have, I'm also going to play the over on his receiving. I just think Robinson's due for a really big week against his Texans defense. And, and he's probably going to be ranked within my top 10 uh, running backs in fantasy this week as well. I'm with Uncle Dave here as well. I like the over. Um, I think that that's certainly a way to go. I'm not sure if Uncle Dave likes it or he leans it, but he, he said he was thinking that way. Uh, I like that one. I think the Texans' defense is, is piss poor. I mean, they've given up 31 points per game. 
I also leaned here with the Jaguars with Ewan Kode, but after the news broke, I'm like, you know, we I think we saw this situation. I think it was last year when Green Bay got rid of McCarthy or something happened. There was some type of turmoil where it was uh, Green Bay at home against the Falcons and it was just it was a it was probably one of the easiest games to bet all of last year. Um, but I, I do like the over on this one. I think the Texans offense comes out and they're like, screw it, let's just throw the ball. Um, they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna make anybody really excited, you know, by running. But, you know, if you look at that Jaguars defense, they're beat up right now in the secondary. Um CJ Henderson is all banged up. Miles Jack's all banged up. Their linebacker, Josh Allen's banged up. Uh Hayden is on the IR now. So they're just a wounded bunch there on the Jacksonville defense. So I think Houston comes out, they put up points. I think both teams just put up points. I think they just go back and forth in this game. And maybe eventually the Texans go ahead and um, you know, get and you know, get to get some margin here. But I think the Texans in the teaser are a really good option. You know, if you can get them minus six down to a pick 'em, uh, you gotta figure it all in effort here. I would probably go ahead and tease the Texans, play the over, and that's pretty much all I have on that one. Let's jump into our rapid fire segment here. We're gonna talk about two games that may or may not get played. We got the Bills Titans. Broncos Patriots we don't have any lines on those games right now we got coronavirus stuff going on talking about postponing games forfeiting so we're actually going to go ahead we're going to we're going to skip those games and then Chris Dell and I we do a podcast on Friday uh maybe even on Saturday Uncle Dave and I we do a a college football podcast on Friday we'll go ahead and we'll try to touch on those games if we do get some definitive clarity on what's going to happen with those games but I do want to go ahead and start our rapid fire segment out here with the Dolphins at the 49ers. 49ers minus eight, total 47. Hitman coming to you first on this one. What do you got? Yeah, for me, it's just the slightest to lean towards the 49ers. And if it gets to eight and a half, maybe look at them in a teaser. It comes down to the fact that they lost as a big favorite to the Eagles. And you really rarely see the far superior team lose twice in a row as a big favorite just because you know in that second game they're going to be super motivated so we have to see what the injury report comes out but as far as quarterback goes but they did get their receivers and their tight end Kittle back so for me it would be the Niners I'd be looking towards what do you think Uncle Dave if you had told them they would lose Garoppolo Kittle um, Mostert and everybody else and still sitting where they are uh, they'd probably be okay with that uh, granted, they haven't played anybody, uh, you know, wins against the Jets and the Giants, but still, uh, to be where they are and missing so many key players, uh, I think that, you know, for the foreseeable future, I don't, I see them as a play on team because I think their stock is a little bit too far down right now. Now, for me in this game, I would go ahead. I would play the Dolphins. I think Fitzpatrick has to go out and perform. Otherwise, we probably see Tua at some point. So I'll go ahead. I'll take I'll take the eight points. I think that's just a little bit too much. If it were six, I would probably consider going ahead teasing down the 49ers. But the fact that it's eight, I think I'm going to get a little bit of value here. Probably a motivated effort out of the Dolphins. You know, 49ers, I think they are still somewhat a little dejected on how their season's gone. Going back to last year, you know, going in this year with all the injuries, the fact that they got beat. I mean, when you get beat against a practice squad Eagles team, um, you know, that, that, that certainly can't feel too good. Uh, how about you, Chris? What do you think about that one? Uh, I mean, just in this game, just in general, the only player I'm looking at in terms of just fantasy-wise is Jarek McKinnon. I mean, you talk about Moser being out another week and with all the turnaround happening with the San Francisco injuries. Um, you know, Miami's been one of the worst teams on defense, both defending the pass and defending the run. 
And McKinnon's been like a comeback story for the year, basically at the running back. I and mean, he, you know, basically was out the last two years with the injury. So I'm looking towards him to have a huge game in fantasy and also as a DFS play and be looking to his props in terms of receiving and rushing yards too. All right, solid stuff on that one. Let's talk Rams at Washington football team. Washington going to be plus seven and a half, total 45. Now this is our rapid fire segment, but we do have a best bet in this one. So I'm going to go first. I'm going to pass. I don't have much of a like in this one at all. If I did take a slight lean, it would be, you know, maybe with the Rams in a teaser, that would probably be the only thing that I would do. Uh, I certainly wouldn't lay one and a half. I would go ahead and go six and a half point teaser minus one or plus one. Yeah, no, minus one uh, for the Rams. That's all I would do with that one. Hitman, what, what do you got? So I really wanted to play Washington in this one, especially at the opener. But what's keeping me off it? Ron Rivera came out and said that he's not really interested when they're down two scores and getting those backdoor covers. Now, he didn't specifically say backdoor covers, but he said that he's not going to risk injury at the end of games down two scores with two or three minutes left. And we got to see against the Cardinals, the Cardinals had the ball, and he wasn't using his timeouts at the end of the game to get the ball back. So for me, when you're getting that many points and I can't trust you to put in an effort to get a backdoor cover, for me, I, it's just tough for me to, to take you at plus seven in that case. Chris, Rams, Washington, what do you got? Yeah, Sleepy, this projects to be one of the slowest paced games on the slate here in week five. And we've got Kyle Allen starting under center. They benched your boy Dwayne Haskins, obviously. So um, Dwayne ha- – uh, excuse me, Kyle Allen was the worst rated deep passer last year in the NFL in Carolina. And he's reunited now with his coaching staff from 2019. So they obviously have a connection. I don't know if that's going to translate to any success on the field here. So if anything in this game, I'm I'm definitely looking towards the under. I even thought about this and you you guys know better than me, but I actually thought about teasing up the total to like 52 and a half, 52, because I, I don't even see it. There's no chance to me this gets over 50, but I think the Rams, just in a teaser themselves, uh, could could be a great pick here. I mean, the Rams under McVay have a league-best 19-8 and record on the road, and they're also 7-2 and against the spread in the Eastern time zone. So I'm definitely looking to pair the Rams with a teaser bet in this game. I don't think Kyle Allen has any more success than Dwayne Haskins was having in this offense. I'm just – the only person I'm high on here in terms of fantasy and maybe prop-wise is Antonio Gibson. I, I think this might actually be his best matchup of the season because the Redskins have started off – the Washington football team has started off with a gauntlet schedule in terms of opposing defenses here. So that's pretty much all I got in this one. I think our guys should probably keep this in mind. The fact that, that there's a ton of games this week on the East Coast. You got the Browns, you got the Ravens, Steelers, Jets, Washington – and there is a, a a hurricane coming, and more than likely that'll probably end up, I'm guessing, in the Northeast, probably Saturday, maybe even in the Sunday. So you may want to keep an eye on that. These totals all might just plummet uh, because we're going to have a lot of wind, probably a lot of rain. So uh, keep an eye on that. That was just something that Chris brought up that, that kind of reminded me of that situation. So let's get into our best bet here. Uncle Dave, this is going to be your best bet. What do you got? Well, I'm going to... I'm going to make Chris feel good. I love the under 45 and a half here. Um, And I don't care if it's a a 70 degree day and no wind because there's just too many things here uh, wrong. We hear about the Rams defense, but Washington's defense, it's actually better on third down conversions, better yards per rush rate, better yards per play rate, and allow less total yards per game. It was the Giants defense last week held the Rams offense to 4.2 yards of play. 
one could argue strength of schedule, but you know, a lot of a lot of sites have Washington's strength of schedule rated higher than the Rams. And and look, the Rams barely beat the Cowboys. Spent two weeks on the East Coast, which culminated in a tragic meltdown in Buffalo. Now they're back on the East Coast before a game with and at San Francisco next week. So it's a terrible spot for Los Angeles. You know, they don't they don't need to get margin. Against Baltimore, Washington actually had more first downs, ran more plays, were victimized by big plays, but the Rams only have two more plays over 25 yards than Washington. Look, Washington chased around Kyler Murray and Lamar. Goss, a stationary target by comparison. His numbers under pressure have never been good. They won't be Sunday either, nor will Kyle Allen's. Look at the total last week against the Ravens was 45, spot on this week. Ravens, who arguably have a better defense and a better offense than the Rams, and no adjustment this week, I like the under. All right, solid handicap there from Uncle Dave. Let's go over to the Cardinals at the Jets. Jets going to be plus seven here. Total 47. We have another best bet in this one. Chris, I'm going to come to you first here. Cardinals, Jets, what do you got? My best bet here, I'm going back to another teaser best bet we hit last week, uh, teasing the Seahawks and the Packers down to Pickums there with a seven-point teaser. Paid a little bit of extra juice, but felt good about the win. This week, I'm going back to a similar teaser here, and I'm going to take the Cardinals as the as the first leg, and I'm going to tease the Cardinals six and a half points, essentially down to a Pickum from seven, and I'm going to pair them again with the Seattle Seahawks who are playing on Sunday Night Football, so I like six and a half point teaser teasing the Cardinals and the Seahawks each down to a pick them minus 0.5. And, and I'm just keeping things simple here, guys. I mean, Adam Gase is still head coach of the New York Jets. As, as of right now, Joe Flacco is the projected starting quarterback here. So as much as the Cardinals have looked really bad over the last couple of weeks, I mean, Sleepy, you and I talked about Kyler Murray's 4.3 yards per pass attempt in week four. Uh, maybe the market is overreact a little bit to how bad Arizona's look, and we can take advantage of that because as bad as you look against the Detroit Lions and the Carolina Panthers, I think the Jets are the cure-all type of opponent for that type of situation for a struggling offense here. So I'm just going to keep it simple. I'm going to bet against Adam Gase, especially when I have at least, at worst, an average team uh, you know, getting a pick em here in, in the teaser. So that, that that's my best bet of the week here is Arizona pick em, Seahawks pick em in a six-and-a-half-point teaser. All right, Hitman, this is your best bet. What do you got? I like the Cardinals, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like Chris said, I get to fade Adam Gase and I get to fade Joe Flacco behind the league's worst offensive line without Mekhi Becton potentially at a pretty reasonable number. And I not only get the Cardinals off a loss, but I get them off two straight losses. And Kyler Murray said during Wednesday's practice that it was the most urgency he's seen in the Cardinals since the offseason. So – I have a max-motivated Cardinals team at a reasonable price, so I will lay it with the Cardinals. I'd like to play the Cardinals, but I'd like to play them at minus 6.5 if I can get that. I think the Cardinals, I mean, I don't want to say it's it's a must-win, but I feel like like it kind of is like a must-win for them. It's time for them to come back, bounce back, and be the team that they were, you know, to go ahead and open up the year. And going into, you know, play the Jets and, and not coming away with at least an impressive victory – I think that plays on their heads. And if they go and they lose this game, then they're in really, you know, they're in deep crap after that. But I think the Cardinals show a show a pretty big effort here. I don't know about the Jets. Who the hell knows? You know, maybe I don't think they like Darnold either, to be honest with you. But it wouldn't surprise me if they just went out there and laid down just to get rid of that coach too. Uh, because who knows what happens when you when you get a new coach. Maybe uh maybe it's a player's guy. Maybe it's somebody they're all rooting for. I don't know. Who knows what they'll do, but uh, it would be a 
probably Cardinals in a teaser or Cardinals minus six and a half. I could get it straight up. Uncle Dave, Cardinals, Jets, what do you got? You know, plus seven and a half, I might take the Jets. I mean, sooner or later, they're going to cover a game. They have had a little extra rest. Um, you know, I, I don't know who Arizona is. I guess we thought they were great when they beat the 49ers in week one. But this is a team that also lost to the Lions, and nobody does that. So, you know, I don't love Flacco, but I like him better than a hobble Darnold. Um, Bell is expected to be activated, so that takes the 37-year-old Frank Gore a little bit off the shelf. So, you know, at seven and a half, I, I can make a case for the Jets. And, you know, that would also fall into line with, you know, if the weather is at all kind of crappy in the Northeast, that might be the great equalizer, especially with a with a ping pong offense like the Arizona tends to run. So I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the black sheep here and and at seven and a half, I'm going to lean Jets. All right. Well, there's Uncle Dave going against the green on that one. All right. Let's jump over to the Eagles at the Steelers Battle of Pennsylvania here. Pittsburgh going to be minus seven, total 44. We have a best bet in this game. I'll save that one till last. Uncle Dave, I'm coming to you first with this one Eagles Steelers. What are you thinking? You know, I don't have a huge opinion on this one, Sleepy. You know, after how decent Philadelphia looked Sunday night, I'll be it against Mullins. You know, I'm surprised. Plus seven and a half was available even as late as Monday afternoon. The Steelers, they do have the extra rest, which I think is probably more important than ever this year. And as difficult as the Eagles are for me to get a grip on, uh, they may be the best team Pittsburgh's seen so far. So it's the Battle of Pennsylvania. I'm going to defer to you guys who live there uh, because you probably have much, much more knowledge on what's going on there than I do. My gut feeling says stay the hell away from Philadelphia. Tease the Steelers or just go ahead and take them. Uh, I mean, we have to take into consideration that the Eagles played a beat-up San Francisco team with two quarterbacks that, you know, they didn't do anything special. They actually, you know, they, they kind of gave the game to Philly. Give credit to Carson Wentz for going out there and gutting through with a practice squad team, but you're going up against a real defense here on the road, and I think the Pittsburgh offense is slightly underrated. I mean, they got Connor, they got Johnson, you know, they got Juju. If, if he plays, hopefully he's healthy. I think Pittsburgh is a far better team, and the Eagles are going to – I think the Eagles are going to get slapped around in this one. I would lay the seven and probably just go ahead and play the Steelers and put them in a teaser. Hit me away thinking for the Eagles and Steelers. I like the idea of putting the Steelers in a teaser, and I think that the Eagles' offensive line is going to be in trouble in this one because the Steelers arguably have the best pass rush in the NFL – and the Eagles are without from the offseason. They're starting left tackle, starting left guard, starting right guard, and right tackle Lane Johnson is far from 100%. So for me, it would be Steelers or pass. And like I said earlier, I like the idea of them in a teaser. All right, Chris, throwing it over to you here. Eagles, Steelers, what do you got for that one? Yeah, I just think it's going to be a rough outing here to echo what the guys are saying here with Pittsburgh's defense against the banged up Philly offensive line. I mean, the Steelers are first in the league in blitz rate, 51.2% and also pressure rate. So I think they're going to have a field day on Carson Wentz here. And with the way Wentz has been running around, he's actually in terms of fantasy point wise, actually like it ranks third in the league in terms of a quarterback's fantasy points coming from his rushing I think that's a bad thing, and Carson Wentz with his injuries over the last couple of years, I would not be surprised to see him get banged up sooner rather than later. There's actually a prop that I like here in this game, and it all depends on whether Darius Slay is going to be fully healthy in this game because if he is, I expect him to shadow Deontay Johnson on the outside, and he's actually limited guys like Terry McLaurin, 
um, and a few other top wideouts, Robert Woods, AJ Green, to really low totals this year. So if Deontay Johnson is going to be shadowed by by a healthy Darius Slay, I'm going to look towards Eric Ebron. And if I see Eric Ebron's yardage in the mid to high 30s, I'm probably going to look to play that over maybe up to 38 and a half or 39 and a half. The last two games, Ebron's had 52 and 43 receiving yards. And you add on top of that is that the Eagles have been getting ripped up by tight ends. We obviously saw what Kittle did to them on Sunday night football, but Logan Thomas and Tyler Higby, I mean, Higby had three touchdowns against them. So uh, they have not defended a tight end position well. So um, I, I just think it's going to be an ugly day for the Eagles offense. And when it comes to the Steelers, I'm looking towards Ebron. Juju has a nice matchup as well, but I'm looking towards the tight end specifically in this one. You make a good point there, Chris. And I was actually thinking about this before you even said it, the fact that, you know, Carson Wentz has taken all these hits. I would not be shocked if we see Jalen Hurts playing a decent amount of time in this game. I, I just know Philly that this is a game where Wentz tries to do too much and he gets his ass handed to him from the Steelers defense. He gets knocked around and beat up. Uh, don't be shocked if he ends up with broken ribs or something crazy. Um, and that's I know that's not a handicap. It's more of a, just a gut feeling because I watch the Eagles every weekend and I kind of just know what Carson tries to do. He just tries to do too much, especially when he's up against it and he ends up paying for it in the long run. And as you brought up, Chris, you brought up Darius Slay. I noticed today that uh, there was an article that came out ESPN that, you know, with all the COVID stuff going on, he didn't think that, that that people should have been playing this year. So I do wonder, you know, his motivation coming into this game, especially if, you know, Philly's down, you know, maybe does he let up? You know, I don't know. Um, I think he's pretty secure there, but you just got to wonder where his, you know, where he's at mentally. Uh, that'll wrap up that game. Let's jump over to the Bengals at the Ravens. Ravens minus 13. Total 51. We have a best bet in this one. I'm going to start it out with that one. We got Bernie Fratto. You guys can catch him on Straight Out of Vegas every Saturday night on Fox Sports Radio. I'm going to let Bernie jump into his best bet here. Let's see what he got. Let's uh, head to uh, Baltimore, where they are laying 13 and a half against their divisional rival, Cincinnati. And frankly, if you watch Cincinnati on film, if they keep Joe Burrow upright, they're not a bad little team. So be that as it may. Uh, they head into Baltimore, and once again, the Ravens are very expensive. But here's why I like the dog in this game. My pick is going to be Cincinnati plus 13 and a half, and I'll tell you why. First of all, divisional road dogs throughout history typically do well, uh, again, when they're playing within their division. And uh, just historically, going back 20 years, they're about 54%. So, you know, there are various theories for that. But I want to take it a step further. Early in the year, when divisional opponents face each other for the first time, road dogs have an edge relative to the market because their divisional rivals uh, aren't as familiar with them when they're laying that many points. And there's numbers to back this up. You go back 20 years, divisional road dogs played in the first eight weeks of the season. They cover 56% of the time. But divisional road dogs... The second half of the season only cover 48% of the time. So that's a bit of a, a disparity there. I look at the Ravens, and they're a public team. Everybody likes them. Uh, I mean, my God, last week they laid two touchdowns on the road to a divisional opponent and ended up pushing. And a lot of people actually laid that number. I never would have done it. Interestingly enough, as great as the Ravens are, when Lamar Jackson in his young career is a home favorite, he's only 4-10 against the number, 38%. And they're always expensive. So you add up the fact that I think the Bengals are very competitive with Joe Burrow. They're getting almost two touchdowns against the divisional rival. 
who's always expensive, who doesn't cover these numbers at home. And, oh, by the way, we've got the trend, 56%, the first time two divisional road play, uh, divisional teams play the road team has the edge. Add it all up, and it leads me to Cincinnati. They hang around, and they hang this number. Cincinnati plus 13.5, week five. All right, guys, there's Bernie Fratto. He's going to go ahead and take the Bengals with his best bet, plus the 13 and a half. This number has slid down a little bit. Right now, Ravens plus 13. I like the Bengals a lot as well. Um, they're probably my second best pick for the week. Look, the, the Bengals' offense is for real because it's competent. You know, we, we, we haven't been able to say that in a long time. I mean, they got Higgins. Mixon ran well last week. That has to motivate him going into this week. Joe Burrow's not afraid to go ahead and stand in the pocket. And when he needs to move, you know, that kid can run. And you also have A.J. Green out there. You have Boyd out there. This this team on offense could hang with a lot of teams in the league. I mean, they're putting up like 30 points a game. I think the Ravens go out and they try to play a really good football game. But I think the Bengals go into this one where they say, you smacked us around for how many years now? we actually have a chance to come out and at least play you, you know, heads up. And I think that the Bengals go ahead and they, they throw every punch that they can. They'll probably come up short in this game, but 13 is just way too many points here. I don't think – I see people, they, they have the Ravens as the second best team in the league. Um, I'll just say that they're not. They're not that good. Um, and if they if they have to go and, and play a game from behind, that, that's typically – you know, not a position that Lamar Jackson has been, you know, good in. So I'll take the Bengals. I'm with Bernie on this one rather strong. Um, as I said, my second best pick of the week here is on the Bengals. Hitman, I'll go ahead and throw it over to you. Bengals, Ravens, what are you thinking? Yeah, I can only look Bengals. And just like you said, Joe Burrows impressed me a lot. And we have a Bengals team that, I mean, they could backdoor anyone with the way their passing offense is played. You saw how they played against the Browns, getting that back door at the end of that game. So for me, it's Bengals or pass. Uncle Dave, Bengals, Ravens, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to make it unanimous. You know, I, I said last fall that Barrow was the real deal, and I, and, and I would bet on him every game, and uh, he's given me no reason to bet against him. So right now, I will not bet against Cincinnati. So I'm with you guys. All right, Chris, Bengals, Ravens. We talked a couple of days ago about T. Higgins. Is that somebody that, that we might be targeting in this game? Uh, I hesitate to target anybody in terms of player prop-wise in this game because the Ravens do have a pretty stout secondary here, and we know Burrow likes to spread the ball around to Boyd, T. Higgins, and also A.J. Green, or the corpse of A.J. Green at least. Uh, Joe Mixon had the huge game last week, but the Bengals were in a positive game script for most of the second half there, so – I don't expect him to have a good fantasy day here as well with the Bengals most likely playing from behind. So maybe the only way I would look would be towards like a Lamar Jackson rushing prop, a Joe Burrow passing prop, because I think those could correlate with each other in terms of the Ravens having a lead for a solid amount of time here. Other than that, I'm just staying away from any props in this game. All right, that'll wrap up that one. We're going pretty quick here, guys. Let's jump to the afternoon games. We have the Giants at the Cowboys. I have a best bet in this one. I want to hear what Uncle Dave has to say on this one first. Uncle Dave, Giants, Cowboys, Cowboys minus nine and a half, 54. Yeah, Sleepy, I'm just simply not betting on a team that's allowed 40 points a game or so over the last three weeks. And I said in the offseason, with or without McCarthy, they still have Jerry Jones and not much is going to change. And honestly, it doesn't look like it has. And as bad as the Giants looked against the 49ers, they've covered two of the four games that they've played. I think the time to bet the Giants was early at anything over plus 10. 
I think that ship has sailed. Uh, if you made me right now, I would, I would, I would play a six and a half or seven point teaser and try to get Dallas uh, under minus three. Uh, I have a slight lean to the over, only because that Dallas secondary uh, may be worse than the Jets' offensive line. So I do think the Giants will be able to put some points on the board. So uh, look at it potentially teasing Dallas and lean to the over. All right, so I'll step there from Uncle Dave. Chris, how about you? What are you thinking about Giants-Cowboys? Yeah, so something's got to give here. I mean, Cowboys games are averaging 68 points per game, most in the league. Giants games are averaging uh, 35 and a, uh, basically 35 and a half points per game, the fewest in the league here. And and this surprised me is that the Cowboys are 15 and three, both straight up and against the spread in division games since 2017. That's actually and they're actually six and zero straight up and against the spread against the Giants since that time. So they definitely had the Giants number. And the, the one thing that concerns me is that I do believe in some of the talent on the Giants side of things, as much as they've been hit by injuries. I do believe in J- Daniel Jones's talent, maybe not consistently, but in a prime matchup here, he's definitely worth like a, a, a mid-tier QB2 type of fantasy streamer on the week. And, and we've been 2-0 and on the Darius Slayton props. We bet him over two weeks ago. We bet him under last week against Jalen Ramsey. I'm definitely going to be looking towards Slayton over receiving yards. It's been set around 48 and a half, 49 and a half the last couple of weeks. I, I would definitely play that over 50, probably up to about 54 and a half in this prime matchup here. Uh, I, I'm just worried in terms of uh, buying too much into the Giants, even against a bad Cowboys defense, just because of the coaching staff and Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator. They're basically running no pre-snap motion and not being creative whatsoever, despite all the injuries. So I hesitate to put too many chips into one basket with any of the Giants guys, but uh, Slayton is the one guy on New York side that I am looking at here. All right, Saul's up there from Chris. Hitman, I'll go throw it over to you, Giants, Cowboys. What do you got? Yeah, I can can only look to maybe playing Dallas in a teaser, only if it gets under eight, if it gets to eight and a half, so I can do a six-point teaser, get it at two and a half. Because I just can't trust this Dallas defense right now to close a back door. And we've seen Daniel Jones in the past. Uh, this year against the Bears, he got a back door. Last year against the Bears. Last year against the Lions, he got one. He, he Against a prevent defense, he's shown capable, especially when he's not getting pressure. They can go up and down the field. So it's impossible for me right now to lay this number with Dallas. I do believe that they're going to win the game. So that would be the direction I'd be looking. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys my best bet. Come on and wake up. Come on and wake up now. It's time to shake a leg and get up. It's time for you to raise your head up. Come on and wake up. Come on and wake up now, you know it's time. Come on and, come on and, come on and, come on and, come on and wake up now. All right, guys, my best bet for this game is going to be on the Dallas Cowboys. I'll lay the nine and a half. Hitman, I'm going to ask you a question. You, you tell me what you think. If you had to rate the Seahawks offense right now, where would you put it? If I had to rate the Seahawks offense, well, it would definitely be behind Kansas City. But I think as long as they let Wilson throw the ball, then they're in the discussion for the second best offense with teams like Dallas and Green Bay. And I'm probably missing a few others off the top of my head. But, yeah, they're in the discussion for the second best. All right. So I think that's a good thing. What do you think about Atlanta's offense? 
I think that's pretty good. With or without Julio? Uh, healthy. Healthy offense, I would say that they're above average. What about Cleveland? I would say that Cleveland is with a healthy roster. I'd say they're slightly above average, just not because of their passing game, but elite run game and elite offensive line. And what about the Rams? And the Rams would be another one, slightly above average. Uh, that's more coaching-based than personnel-based, I'd say. Now, I think Dallas played some of the best offenses in the league, and I understand their defense has looked absolutely terrible. And a lot of it's not due to just the defense. Look at what the offense has given them. Nothing but turnovers, fumbles, interceptions. They really dug themselves a hole where you know, they're forced to go ahead and throw the ball down the field, hurry up and score, and then defense is right back out there. But let's just, you know, put all that to the side and think about, well, what what might Dallas do this weekend? I think they play this game through Zeke Elliott and they let Dak do what Dak is supposed to do, which is, you know, complete passes when he needs to. But I don't think they're going to go ahead and, and try to, you know, hit Gallup or hit Lamb for 60-yard bombs, you know, unless they kind of need it. I think they're going to try to keep that defense off the field. So the offense is going to help the defense here. And I think if Dallas goes ahead and they and they and they take a seat in the locker room and they look around, at least the guys on defense, you know, I think they're all looking at each other like, you know, who the hell deserves their paycheck? And that word that no football team likes to hear or player likes to hear. I actually was thinking about this last night that I was sitting on the couch starting to feel sick. I'm like, the word that that comes out when teams look like this is soft. And I heard it early this morning. I'm like, I knew it. I knew it was going to come up. And that always gets a reaction from a team. And we know this Giants team, um, you know, they stink. They have nobody to throw the ball to. Um, you know, they got Slayton. They got Ingram. They have no They have no running back. Their defense is probably, I'll give them some credit. I'll say slightly below, below average. But, you know, the Cowboys have to come out. They have to perform here. They went from being, you know, a preseason darling to – basically the laughing stock of the NFL. And I think that defense steps up this week and I think it, it looks a lot better than than it's going than than it actually is because I don't think the Giants are going to put up many points on this board. The total in this game is 54, so they're expecting points on this board. I'll tell you right now that the that the Giants are going to get boat raced in this one. I I actually made my score last night as I was sitting laying laying down thinking about this game of how it's going to play out and what the Giants or, or what the Cowboys are going to do you know, when they sit in the locker room and, and all the conversations that they're going to have, you know, the coaching has to pull this together. The owner has to pull it together, the defense, the offense. They can't go out there and turn the damn ball over. I think the Cowboys are going to boat race this Giants team. I think the score ends up somewhere in like 43-13. I think it's an ugly game. I think the Cowboys just run away. I don't think they leave their defense out there on an island. I think they use Zeke. They throw it up and down the field. C.D. Lamb probably gets a touchdown. Cooper. I think I think everybody in this offense scores in this game. Uh, the Cowboys are going to put up a bunch of points again, but I think that defense will turn it around. Um, I don't even know what you can get in an alternate line, but I would even be willing to play that. Um, I'll lay, you know, I'll lay pretty much any number that I can go ahead and find a decent plus price on with Dallas. I think they win. I think they win this game going away. Um, as soon as I saw this one, I'm like, that, that's, it's that's easily my best bet. So I'll go ahead and give you guys that as my best bet. Dallas minus a nine and a half. Let's jump over to the Colts at the Browns. We got the Browns plus one and a half here at home. 
total of 46. The Browns last week put up 49 points. I don't think they'll do that again against this Colts defense. But, Hitman, I'll go ahead and throw it over to you first. Colts, Browns, what do you got? I think that the wrong team might be favored. I think that Cleveland should probably be a small favorite in this one, and that makes it a, a good teaser option, getting it up to seven and a half. But um, the Colts have some linebacker issues. They have cluster injuries at their linebacker right now. They're, I believe their three top linebackers are hurt, and that's something I haven't heard talked about. So that's something that people need to be aware of. And I just don't think that the difference in these two teams is big enough to where the Colts should be road favorites. I agree with you, Hitman. You know, the Colts, the fact that they were laying points last week, and it seemed like some of the wise guys were jumping on the Bears. I don't think the Browns and the Bears are even on an even field. And the fact that the Browns are getting points here, I think – I mean, I get the fact that they put up 49 points last week. It was a tough game, you know, against Dallas. But, you know, if the Browns want to go ahead and jump into, hey, we're for real, this is the game. And if they lose this game – then I think a lot of questions surround them. And the fact that Beckham had, you know, three touchdowns last week and the coach said, he's like, we just have to get the ball in his hands. And Chris and I had spoke about this the other day. And I said, you know, when Odell gets on camera and he's on ESPN, that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing for other teams because they feed off that crap. And he's a guy that, you know, he reminds me of like a Terrell Owens where, you know, you give him his little bit of spotlight and he doesn't want it to go away. And I think Baker will be looking for him. I think Stefanski's going to be looking for him again. I think you're going to see a lot of Beckham this week. I, now, I'm not saying I like his, his, you know, his props over, but they're going to use him as much as they got, you know, usage out of him last week. And he's been, you know, underused, I think, throughout the year. But the Browns just have too many players. Um, I think Hunt is going to be a big, a big help this week. Their backup running back did well. I think the Browns just have way too much to lose in this game. And they have to come out and kind of just say, you know what, we're, we're, we're finally moving to that next level. Um, I, I think the Browns getting plus one and a half is great. I would use them in a teaser for sure. Uh, if you can get them at plus seven and a half, um, I, I, I would do that all day. That would be the first first way I look in this one. Uh, Uncle Dave, Colt Browns, what do you got? Um, nothing new, really. I mean, I, I, you know, I heard Dan say earlier he, he thought the Colts defense might be pretenders. I'm not sure I agree with that. But as Hitman said, they got some injuries. You know, so does Cleveland. You know, if Adrian Claiborne and Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, they're both questionable for Cleveland, maybe the Colts are favored for a reason. I don't know. I just I just don't trust that Browns defense, but I do think the Colts offense is, is really kind of pitiful. I mean, they haven't got Hilton involved much at all. Uh, Rivers has looked his age. Uh, but back in week two, the Barrow second game, they let the Bengals go at 30. So when all was said and done, you know, I don't think uh, Cleveland wants their defense on the field a whole lot. And Cleveland's actually run the ball more than anyone and thrown it less than anyone. So with that, I'm going to look at the under. And part of that tells me, you know, we've got this, this slew of overs and way overs. Um, that can't continue. So at some point, I don't know if it's this week, but at some point, I think, I think those are going to regress. And this could be one of those games. Yeah, you know that weekend's coming, Uncle Dave, where the bookies just slaughter all the betters, especially the overbetters. I mean, good for those guys. They're cashing in, making the money now. But there's going to be a weekend where they get it all back. And it might be this weekend, especially as I mentioned before, you know, that there might be a, a lot of rain and wind on the East Coast. Um, Chris, how about you? What do you got for Colts-Browns? 
Yeah, I definitely agree with Dave on the under part here. Uh, this is also one of the games that projects to be one of the slowest pace on the slate in week five next to that Rams-Washington game that we already talked about here. And if, if you look at the Colts games just in general this season, uh, just their games alone have, have averaged 118 combined offensive snaps per game. That's fewest in the league and actually 12 less than the average, which is about 130. And you're looking at in terms of just mindset and just the scheme that these offenses want to run, they want to take the ball out of their quarterback's hands and they want to ground and pound, whether you got Jonathan Taylor on one side versus Kareem Hunt on the other side here. So I this this could be one of the first games to end. It could be one of the fastest games because you're going to see so much running and the clock continue to run as well. Uh, in, in terms of in terms of props, I think it's difficult to look anywhere here. And, and Sleepy, you mentioned OB, OBJ, and it is hard to sell a player in fantasy based off such a massive performance. But when you look at the fact that his quarterback is on average throwing for less than 200 yards per game, anytime you have a household name like a Beckham and he scores a 73-yard rushing touchdown and then one of his receiving touchdowns comes on a trick pass from Jarvis Landry, you're never going to get all three of those things to hit in the same week again. And we talked about the Brown schedule these next couple of weeks is pretty rough. So I'm still looking to sell high on OBJ this week if you can. Uh, other than that, I would definitely look towards the under. And uh, Kareem Hunt, if you can somehow buy him at a modest price, I mean, he could be the, the RB number one in fantasy over the next month, at least until Nick Chubb comes back into this offense. Yeah, you had made a really good case against Odell. You know, we were talking a couple of days ago. And I won't push back on you on that. I, I, I tend to agree with you with that, that, you know, that there is certain value on him. But I do think one thing with at least Odell breaking out right now is now the defense actually has something to worry about. Like, I don't know really what they were worried about. They're like, oh, we got all these guys all over. But the fact that you got a guy out there running around smiling now and and, and probably clowning on defenses, um, it's going to make people kind of, you know, you know, turn their eyes towards Odell and maybe they forget about Landry. Maybe they forget about Hooper in this game. You know, maybe they forget about the running game as much as, you know, I don't know, maybe that they did in the past. But I think it's certainly a, it's certainly a help for that Cleveland offense, the fact that they uh, that they got him going. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into our retweet Army pick of the week. We got a pick here from BC in Houston. Dan, I'll let you go ahead and give this handicap out so I can save a little bit of my voice so we can close up the last two games of the podcast. What do you got for that one? Well, BC and Houston had a great Monday. I didn't think Bill O'Brien was going to get fired. Neither did he, and then he got fired. BC and Houston's on the Texans minus six. All the dirty laundry is being aired out from Bill O'Brien. You see these tweets. You see the stories about how bad of a coach he was. You see him getting a verbal confrontation with players on his team. Romeo Cannell, he's been around a while in the organization, head coach, assistant, so on and so forth. The players seem to be interested in him. This week, he sat down with Deshaun Watson. He made up a game plan, doing what Watson likes to do, trying to come up with Watson, scheming him up. Texans 4-0 straight up, 3-1 against spread last four since 2011. The Texans are 14-4 straight up against the Jaguars. For BC, it's all about the situation. And he expects the Texans to roll here. That's why he likes the minus six. All right, good stuff there. Thanks for saving me a minute there, Dan. Let's jump over to Sunday Night Football. We got the Vikings at the Seahawks. Seahawks minus seven, 57 and a half for a total. We have a best bet in this one. This is actually Smooth's teaser pick of the week. Why don't we go ahead and get into that one first? 
For my first teaser pick this week, I like teasing the Panthers by six and making them an eight and a half underdog against the Falcons. After their defense being carved up by Aaron Rodgers on Monday night while missing his top two receivers, it doesn't get easier for the Falcons coming off a short week and going up against a divisional opponent that's been playing better than what most anticipated. The Panthers are 2-2 straight up and against the spread while exceeding expectations with a plus 4.1 point differential and without their best player in Christian McCaffrey makes it even more impressive. The Panthers were part of my teaser pick last week against the Cardinals and they won the game straight up and I think they're in a great spot to do it again this week. The Falcons coming into this game are 0-4 and they're the favorites and I think the wrong team is favored in this matchup. Bridgewater has outplayed Matt Ryan to this point and has made more winning plays to help his team win. Plus, the New Look Panthers defense has performed well so far this year against the QBs that have been playing great, like Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, and Kyler Murray. And I think that continues again against Matt Ryan. For my second teaser pick, I like the Seahawks and teasing them by six and making them a one-point favorite over the Vikings at home. Now, Kirk Cousins is coming off a good game last week, but this week is the time to fade him and the Vikings as he's 2-8 and eight straight up and 2-7-1 against the spread on the road in primetime games for his career. Russell Wilson, on the other hand, thrives in any game, but especially in games under the lights like this. Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are at the top of the list for early season MVP, and I expect that to continue as Wilson takes advantage of a Viking defense still working in some young and inexperienced guys. The Seahawks defense might give up some yards, but they can get stops when they need to and hold offenses to field goals instead of touchdowns like they did last week against the Dolphins, and field goals won't beat Russell Wilson. Cousins is a decent QB, but not the type of QB you want in a shootout in order to have a shot at beating a QB like Wilson. You have to be able to put up points, and I don't see Cousins doing that, especially under the bright lights. All right, guys, so there is Smooth. He's going to go ahead. He's going to tease Carolina and Seattle. I don't mind that one. I don't mind teasing Seattle. Hitman, these are your Vikings. How are you feeling about them going on the road this week? I would lean towards the Vikings, and that's just because of the fact that and stop me if you've heard me say this this podcast, but I can't trust the Seattle defense to close the back door. Seattle's giving up a ton of explosive plays in the past game, and I've upgraded the Vikings a lot in the last two weeks, and a lot of that has to do with the emergence of Justin Jefferson. They were really needing a second receiver in this offense badly. They finally got it. So for me, it would be Vikings or a pass with the spread. I would look at anything involving Dalvin Cook, rushing, receiving yards, rushing yards. I think the Vikings are going to go ahead and try to play this one at least somewhat smart. I mean, you would think their game plan is keep Russ Wilson off the field. Just give it to Dalvin Cook. He's the reason why you've won games this year. And I don't see any reason why you want to take the ball out of his hands and put it into Kirk Cousins. No matter how bad that Seattle's defense is, Kirk Cousins hasn't looked good at all. He could easily turn this ball over, and they could be down 21 nothing in no time. So uh, I would look Dalvin Cook. I think last week he was maybe 78 and a half rush yards. I wouldn't be shocked if it's a little higher, but I don't I don't see any reason why he probably won't break 100 yards in this game. I think they just use him all game long. I do like the uh, you know Seahawks probably teasing them down a little bit. My my first gut reaction was take the Vikings plus the points because Seattle's bound to go ahead and have that stinker of a game and fall flat on their face. Maybe this is that time. I don't know. But um, for me, it would be Cook. I'd play him over. That. That's probably my strongest play. Uncle Dave, Vikings, Seahawks, what do you got? Well, I actually made a small bet on Minnesota plus seven and a half earlier in the week. 
Um, it's down to six and a half now at Pinnacle, so I'm feeling pretty good like I might just have the right number. Um, I'm I'm uh, thinking that Seattle, you know, th their stock is so high right now, and, and I might be with you that they, they might have a bit of a letdown. And, you know, I don't trust Cousins. I, I was on him when they played the Colts, and we all know about that debacle, or at least I do. But here we have maybe a bad spot for Seattle, fly back from, from Miami, and then they got two division games, and then the next two weeks after that, and then Buffalo, and then the Rams. So if there was ever a spot where they weren't 110% in it, this would be it. So I could bet a pizza on the Vikings uh, plus seven or more. All right, Chris Dell, Vikings, Seahawks, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, we all know the primetime narrative here for Russ in primetime, especially home games. I mean, under Pete Carroll, Seattle's 20-3 and three overall in home primetime games, 17-5-1 against the spread here. And, and Sleepy, you brought up Dalvin Cook last week in terms of his over-rushing. You cashed on that one pretty easily. And uh, another reason why I like that is, as well uh, this week is because when you look at the Seahawks' defense, their opponent rush percentage is 30.2%, which is number one in the NFL. And we all know that is the Vikings' number one weapon. And when you look at just fantasy numbers specifically, wide receivers are putting up the most points per game in fantasy against Seattle. So I'm looking to fire up Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is in a great spot here. And I've noticed, I noticed last week his receiving yards total was pretty low. I think it was a set at about maybe 54 and a half coming off the 175 yard performance in week three. And now he's had back to back hundred plus yard games. And we project Minnesota is going to need to score points to keep up with Seattle in this one. So if Justin Jefferson's total opens up for receiving yards around 60 or even 65, I still think that's going to be too low. So I'm definitely looking towards Thielen and Jefferson, but I think Jefferson, the value will be there more for the prop and they're moving him all over the field in the slot, intermediate routes, also down the field. So I'm probably going to like his yardage total up to about maybe 68 and a half, 69 and a half over on receiving yards. All right. Solid stuff there from everyone on that game. Let's jump over to Monday night football. We got the Chargers at the Saints. Saints minus seven and a half. Total 50 and a half. Uncle Dave, throwing it over to you with this one first. What do you got? Well, the only thing I could do here is tease the Saints down to minus one and a half. I mean, they're, they're begging you to take the Saints, and, and not a lot of people are buying, period. And, you know, I probably would have looked at the under had I not watched Brady kind of shred the Chargers a little bit last week. I still could possibly make a case for the under, but... I mean, that's so tough with New Orleans. You just never know uh, if if they're healthy. Uh, they can put up a lot of points. And until last week, I was in love with the Chargers defense. Now, I don't know what to make of it. So the only thing I'm going to do there is probably tease New Orleans down to minus one and a half. All right, Uncle Dave looking at teasing the Saints. Hitman, I'll go ahead and throw it over to you. Chargers, Saints, what do you got? Dave, you read my mind about potentially teasing the Saints. One thing that we know about the Chargers is they don't often lose by margin, but they do know how to blow a close game. So I think that that would be the way I would be looking at it also. Tease the Saints or pass. I'm a little worried about teasing the Saints in this one. Hitman, you touched on it, and that was what I was thinking about. You know, the Chargers probably won't lose by a bunch of points in this game. I wouldn't be shocked if this comes down to a field goal. If this comes down to a one-point game where somebody's kicking a field goal to win by – you know, win by one. That was my immediate gut reaction. You know, I'm, I'm still not sold on the Saints overall. I know they had some issues in their defensive back end. 
you got to wonder if that that's cleared up cleared itself up you know michael thomas you know injured so i don't know my gut feeling says be careful with the saints i don't know that's just the way that I'm, I'm feeling about that one and i don't know if i would tease the chargers up you know taking a rookie quarterback on the road you know against the saints team who you know i mean i guess you could say they're they're kind of due too so I don't know what I would necessarily do, but my, my gut feeling originally when I first thought about it is that this is like a one point game. Just be careful with the Saints. That would be the way that I the way that I look at that one. Chris, how are you feeling about Chargers and Saints? Yeah, it's funny, Sleepy. I actually thought about uh teasing the Chargers up to what, thirteen and a half in this game or even fourteen and a half. You're looking at a seven point teaser, but Justin Herbert, man, he, he's been mighty impressive. And, and keep in mind that two of his three starts so far have been against the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. So two of the better pass defenses in the league here. And we looked at last week, the Saints were without uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, Marcus Davenport. So I don't know the exact status of them so far early in the week. We're obviously recording here on Wednesday night. But in his three starts, Herbert is fifth in passing yards, fifth in completion percentage, seventh in yards per attempt. And, you know, I write the weekly uh, hunting the waiver wire fantasy article on bettingpredators.com. He's been at the top of the list each of the last two weeks. So I'm very familiar with his numbers, even in those tough matchups. And I I like I like the Chargers here. Uh, It's not an official pick, but I I do like them at plus seven and a half. And I do like them as a teaser option up to 13 and a half. In in terms of any props in this game, uh, Keenan Allen, obviously, I mean, he's been absolutely peppered with targets, leads the NFL in targets over the last three weeks with Herbert under center under center. Even with a low yardage last week against the Bucks, he still had eight catches. So we talked about that as well, Sleepy. If I see that number under uh, six and a half even, I'm, I'm going to jump on Keenan Allen over on receptions there. And uh, Justin Jackson, to me, is going to play a huge role in this offense. I, I think it's going to be more of a 50-50 split between Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson. So that, that's kind of where I'm looking. I, I do like the Chargers and fantasy buying them for the next. You look at after the Saints game. Uh, their schedule over the next four weeks, they're playing the Jaguars, the Raiders. They're, they might have the softest schedule over the next four weeks from weeks uh, six to nine after this game here. So I'm liking what I see from the Chargers. And Jace movie. My best bet for week five, I like the Steelers minus seven, laying 110 over the Eagles. The market may think the Eagles win last week was a big upset over the 49ers, but I'm not buying it yet. The 49ers were coming off consecutive weeks on the road on the East Coast and still dealing with a cluster of injuries, including at the most important position in football, at quarterback missing Jimmy Garoppolo. The 49ers, when Garoppolo starts, 22-7. When he doesn't, 7-22. Carson Wentz was able to do just enough against this defense, but I don't think it'll be enough against this Steelers defense that defend the pass pretty well, only allowing opposing QBs to complete 59.8% of their passes and allowing a decent QBR of 62.7. The Steelers are one of the most complete defenses in the league with guys in their front seven that can rush the passer and defensive backs that can create turnovers and break up passes without committing penalties on a consistent basis. I expect them to continue to take advantage of a below average performing offense in the Eagles that's also dealing with injuries on both sides of the ball. And I have this line at nine and I think the Steelers win by 10. All right, it's all stuff there from all the guys on that one. That'll do it for the podcast. Uh, my apologies for how I sounded today. Uh, not feeling all that too hot. Uh, make sure you guys check us out on Friday. Uh, Chris and I will be doing like a, I don't know, Chris, what time we do our last podcast? Three in the morning or something where we went over all our player props. I mean, it was. Yeah, probably, yeah, like 2.45 or something like that. I know it was late, but we had a lot of fun with that podcast and we gave out a lot of props. We did well. 
Um, we didn't recap it in the beginning, but I guess we can re- recap it now. Uh, we actually did really solid on our podcast last week. I think we were 12-3 and three, uh, overall with all the selections that we gave out. You guys can find, I'm pretty sure Dan puts that up or Chris puts that up on the Betting Predators uh, website. So uh, a big rebound last week, so that was really cool. I think we'll do well uh, once again this week. But with that said, guys, that's it for me. I don't have much left in me. You guys can get me on Twitter, SleepyJ underscore pregame, Uncle Dave, Dave underscore Essler, Hitman at pregame Hitman. You can get Chris Dell at Mad Journalist. You can get Dan Rivera at the gym or at Dan Rivera 228. Big thanks to Bernie Fratto, Mackenzie Rivers, and Jay Smoove. You guys can get them on Twitter as well. And you can find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web pregame.com it's funny when i start talking how well my voice starts to sound a little bit better uh but with that said that's it guys like to wish you guys all the best of luck enjoy the games